Welcome to the Games Revealed podcast brought to you by Bunny Strike Studios. This is James. And I'm Tyson. And this is Shagwa. And we're back here in the digital studio to talk about another awesome game. This is one that we've been playing for a little bit. Uh, Shagwa is actually the first one to talk about it. And it, or play it, that is. And he got us kind of really convinced that we need to play it. And we've been playing it. And it's an amazing game. What game is that, Shag? Ghost of Tsushima. And it is a hot contender for one of my favorite games of all time. I love it. Yeah, I was just telling that to James the other day that this this could win like game of the year for me for like the next three years at least. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's a crazy thing for me to say because you guys know how much I love Final Fantasy VII, and this game is like damn near contention for that spot. <laughs> yeah, the game is uh pretty amazing actually. I don't know, like it's definitely in my top ten. I don't know what it dethrones, what uh, game gets you know kicked out, but it is an amazing game. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a, a, a video game inventory in my brain and figure out where this fits in the top 10 because for sure something got pushed out and I need to figure out what it is. Yeah, it's it's an amazing game. Now, are you guys going to pick this up for PS5? Is it going to be re- re-released for 5? That's what I'm. That's what I read, or that's what I, I read. Am I incorrect? I thought this was one of the ones that was going to have the free upgrade. like they just release a patch so if you're playing it on ps5 that patch will kick in and it'll be the enhanced i know they still have to work on it it's not ready yet but i think you were telling me about that and i'm gonna trust shag 100 on this because uh i better fact check myself because i uh it's been a minute since i read anything about it all right viewers you've you've heard it here if he's wrong it's all shag's fault (laughs) yeah no this is yeah it, it it that's how I think the new, the next gen consoles are going, anyways. Is that a lot of games, especially if they're coming out right now, are going to be free upgrades? It depends on the, I think, the uh, publisher and developer. But um, I do know that prices are going up, though. So that's a sucky thing. We'll probably have to have a whole podcast on that. Yeah, I'm not uh, pumped for those price uh, price increases. It makes me even less interested to get a next gen console. I don't think it's every single company, but I'm sure like the lead company is doing it, like EA, and um, it's just going to trickle down to every company. Yeah, and yeah, it's going to be like every game spike ever since they were thirty dollars. I mean, well, it's interesting this time because I feel like it's usually been like everyone kind of agrees before the console comes out, and they're all that price. But this time around, it seems like. Some companies are waiting and seeing how it goes, and other companies are just like, sure, ten more dollars, why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's where it's just like, how much, like, how much, how long is that going to be? And, you know, this is a whole topic we could talk about a different day, but it's like, is that just going to be the standard forever? Every new console is just going to increase $10. Pretty soon we're going to be paying $200 for a freaking video game. They tried that back in, the, like, uh, about, mm, what was it? 20 plus years ago, they tried doing a hundred dollar games and they failed. Um, can't remember what console it was for. And I don't think it, obviously it wasn't all of them, but they tried that. And it, it, they, it, there's a balance and everything. And so they're trying to find that balance again. And I know there's inflation, but, and they don't change the price with every console release, but man, it, it, it won't be able to go up much more. I think they're going to lose out on business. That's already at the, uh, the higher limits for me. Well, it's just going to become 
uh, how do you explain it? Like a, a hobby that you have to be in a certain income bracket to to be. That's kind of what's happening. Is there? They're just moving into a more elite, more elite uh, stratosphere as far as who who can be a part of this this hobby. Which gaming is unfortunate because a lot of us can't keep up. <laughs> gaming is now the new falconing. <laughs> <laughs> or equest, equestrians or however the hell you say it you know it's like oh I've got the gold PS5 <laughs> I don't think it's I mean the way it. the scalpers are going that you, yeah you have to be elite to have a PS5 oh. or you had to have been there and lucky can enough you, to be in line for one can you believe I was actually one of the first to get a pre-release for cyberpunk <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, I, that's why I have a PC. Like, I don't need to do the battles for PS5 and Xbox Series X. I just said, I'm like, I have my PC. I'm going to enjoy it. And then when this all calms down, I'm going to buy one. I personally think most people should do that. And it would royally screw over the scalpers if you don't even buy their stuff. Yeah, they've already they've already made a, gosh, we are tangenting left and right, but they've already made a significant sum selling PS5s with their... Well, I'll say- I'll say this is the last thing about it. Uh, it cracks me up. There's been several articles about uh, all the scalpers are saying they have no regrets. I'm like, yeah, why would they have regrets? Like, <laughs> if you're scalping, <laughs> you you already don't have a conscience. <laughs> so why would you have a regret yeah. about scalping? Like, yeah, I regret the the millions of dollars I made from these scalping uh, situations. Sure, I regret that. Did they yep. make millions, <laughs> though? I don't know about that. I feel like they make a pretty penny, but not like. Not oh, the one, great. the one that's been the articles have been about is confirmed to have made two million at the last time they posted about it. Oh, yeah. were they doing they're, like? They've, the they've made a profit on every PS5 they've sold on every one, so they've sold it for a profit, and and they and they played off like, well, some people can have Christmas now. Like, yeah, with two million dollars, I could have a Christmas. I could have a badass Christmas for my whole block. Yeah, but I he, found it funny that they even came up with a response. It's like they're yeah. doing it to make money, so who cares? Just yeah, let people let people be like they don't regret it. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We made money. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, ahead, I don't get why people are freaking out about the scalpers. I'm like, they're scalpers, dude. This happens every time. Yeah. This happens with almost everything. I get it. it Maybe happened. we could do something about it, but it's not a big deal right now. You're just not gonna get a PS5 for Christmas. Yeah, just wait. Just wait till the everything calms down and get one. Then that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, you have a PS4. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. You got you got an amazing game this year that came out that you have plenty of hours you can put in audience, and it's called Ghost of uh, Tsunami, according to Tyson. (laughs) Right? It's gonna happen with hand sanitizer. It's gonna happen with consoles. Tushima. (laughs) But yeah, it's gonna happen with Ghost of Tsushima as well. Ghost. Sushima. Okay, so <laughs> now that we're kind of getting back in there, I'm hitting the mic, and uh, let's get into our topics. Um, actually, yeah, let's get into our topics. We don't, we can skip the briefing today. Everyone knows what Ghost of Tsushima is. It's an amazing samurai simulator where you get to enjoy the zen of war, both on the battlefield and at home. This is the game. Okay. <laughs> This is the game of our lives. The Zen of war. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the first thing I wanted to bring up, because this is probably hands down my very favorite thing about this game, is the duels. 
So there's a couple of locations where the combat changes and you're in an in a isolated instance, which is a duel between you and another samurai. And there's 25 dual locations throughout that are hidden throughout the world. A couple of them are in the story and a couple of them you just find as you're exploring. But the, the thing that makes them so great is they are all in amazing locations. Some of the, like the game already is breathtaking, but the duels take place in the best of the best locations. Uh, my two favorites are one that happens under a, a tree that's got red falling leaves in the autumn. And the other one is by the seaside. And that's just, you see the waves crashing up the whole time you're fighting. Uh, and the other cool thing about the duels as well is that some of the ones that you do in the story will unlock special uh, moves and abilities, which make combat way more cool and a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like over the top, <laughs> you get some really cool moves that are outside of your normal. Like this is how you swing a sword moves, but everything about it is just so good. And a little bit reminiscent of red dead redemption when they had the dual system in there, but with swords and a thousand times better. Yeah. I'm way better uh, with the duels in this game than I am or ever was in red dead, especially red dead two. <laughs> yeah. I haven't played enough of Red Dead 2. Um, I do want to do a podcast on that one sometime, so I don't have great reference there, but I don't know if I've actually played it too many games that have dueling in it, but I, I love the dueling in this game. And uh, once you get those some of those specials too, they really help out with the duels. And so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love chaining it and making it longer, so like just guys just keep running in on you, and you're, as long as you time it right, you just killed like... I think you can kill up to like four or five guys that way if you spec into it. So that's actually a different thing. That is, a, it's a challenge. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, those yeah. are all awesome. I'm with you on that 100%. I love chopping fools down. Yeah, the showdowns or whatever. The duels are very cinematic, and that's how you kind of know you're in one. It, it'll oh, it'll yeah. separate you from the main game, and you'll you'll be very aware that you're going into a duel. There's one yeah, in particular yeah, like that locks you. I don't want to spoil, but it's in a it's in a hidden, like a really hidden location. And holy hell, that area is so beautiful. Is it in the first area? Uh, well, the first part of the island, you mean? Well, yeah, well, the island, yeah, it's it's split off into two kind of areas, I feel like. There's, like, the Act 1 area, you know, the beginning area, kind of. Is that, yeah, is there's, that? Th there's three out. of them. I believe it's in the first area. I'm I'm not, it's been a minute. I, I lent my copy out to T-Bone, so it's been a minute since I played it. But um, I believe it was in the first area, but it's, it's a... Uh, it's a hidden thing. It's one of the, the tales you go and you yeah. find a tale and you follow that story <laughs> through. And at the end of it is a duel. Is it for the armor location? Like the, uh, I, you probably don't remember. I, I think I've done that. I've done, I think three of the four legends now. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's the one where awesome. you duel the, the, the female in the, it's a bunch of, you're in a field of flowers in this, like, yeah. Every, you're surrounded by rocks. So you go yep. through this cave and you come out in this open area and there's a little hut. I'm pretty sure it's for the armor. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> no, it's for something in the game. I know that. Well, it's so pretty though, man. I love, I love it. The duels. Oh, I still get excited about the duels. It's probably the first thing I'm going to do when I jump back into the game is go back and try and find the duels again. <laughs> 
Yeah, honestly, the duels are badass, and the duel for uh, one of the ones that sticks out in my mind for the actual duels and not a showdown, because <laughs> I knew what you were talking about, but for some reason, I always go back to showdowns, was, was getting the bow, uh, and we'll talk about that later, but like it puts you in that showdown, and I freaking love that, for oh, yeah. just in that fiery arena, or whatever it is, it's like black shit swirling all around you, it's awesome. Just it was the, so and, cool. Yeah, and so it sets that environment, and like you said, that's something that I don't think I really uh, maybe vocalized or realized ha- was happening, but it is something that I appreciated. But once you said it, it's like, damn, yeah, you're right. I need to pay better attention to that environment. And, yeah, and I think the thing, too, that is the best part for me is it seems like those are the instances that they chose to kind of take the game from feeling like a real-world period piece to getting more into, like, the folklore side of uh things in japan it feels like the duels were where they kind of brought in the more mystical aspect uh, of lore for back then and that all, that made it so much cooler as well oh yeah it, it felt well it feels like a samurai movie essentially it feels like it just it really it is like what you said cinematic it feel that's what they they do very good job of this game is like you're you're a samurai and you do yeah. everything a samurai does and it's and that's the thing, like the backdrops are beautiful. Everything's beautiful. And that's what this game's all about. I feel like, like not all about, but like a big portion of it is just, is the beauty and the Zen of the, of the world, at least in, uh, Tsushima. It, it's just beautiful. That's one of the things that I, I noticed when I loaded it up and started playing within, um, after the battle sequence, after the beginning portion of the game, you start riding through the forest and it is gorgeous. No matter where you are at in this game, I find that it is just, it's peaceful. And I've never played a game that has a lot of, like, so much fighting, like, so much blood. Because you'll go to a cutscene and see, you know, uh, Jin's face just covered in blood, right? <laughs> After mm. you fought someone, and she's just splattered in blood. And, uh, but you just ride through the forest. It's so peaceful. It's like one of those games I'll probably come back to whenever I just need to have a Zen moment or do meditation. I'd play this for meditation. It's just that peaceful. And even though there's a little bit of war in there, a little bit of battles, most of it's just Zen. I wonder if that's something that they've thought about. Cause you know how there's like, uh, there's quite a few games and, and, and maybe they're not this particular type of game, like this type of RPG, but there's lots of games that have like Zen modes where it just lets you go in and just play the game with like, no, you know, no enemies, no, you know, obstacles, no nothing. I wonder if that's something that they thought of. Like, just opening up that world and just going into, like, a, tra- a tranquil mode. And it's just like, yeah, go ride those fields, baby. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the contrast does seem very intentional. Uh, one thing I do know is that, uh, very obviously, Kurosawa was a big inspiration for this. He's, he's like, a super famous director in Japan for samurai period piece movies uh, from in the black and white era. And he's, I actually haven't watched his movies, but I've heard about them all my life. I just don't have too many nerd friends who are willing to watch samurai movies with me, so I haven't gotten around to doing it just yet. But Kurosawa is mentioned by many directors, even in Western culture, as being an inspiration for their film techniques in the movies that they create. He's he's uh, incredibly well-respected globally. And so it was, it was a no-brainer to go to him when you're making a game that's a period piece about samurai warriors 
of course you're going to give it that Kurosawa feel, which is that wind blowing the, the tall grass and the birds chirping and just setting that atmosphere and that tranquility that you're talking about, James. Yeah. Uh, it's a very Kurosawa-esque thing. And I know that the duels specifically, um, like the way that the camera pans and stuff was also very much inspired by um, his directing style as well in his films. Yeah, maybe we'll have to go de- um, sit down and actually do a, a little watch session and come back and report on that. Oh, yeah, I'm always game for that. Sounds good. We'll do it for the next Halloween because those are scary. <laughs> yeah, I love that tranquil ride through the forest. there, And they really tee it off with, like, the environment and the animals, too. So, like, they've got the deer running around and then they have the fox leading you around and all the birds and stuff like they really do make that such a deep contrast when you're not in battle like wow is there anything really even going on and then you look into the distance and you see smoke and fire and all that other shit just going on you're like oh yeah we're still at war and that looming storm that just gets increasingly worse as you go through the game oh so freaking cool i find that peaceful i like thunderstorms quite a bit and so that's actually part of it at time like and i like that it's a little bit more dynamic there's times parts in the area of the island where it's just it does still feel peaceful even with that thunderstorm and then you get into other areas and you get that thunderstorm and i actually find that peaceful coming from a desert mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's pretty nice and i love how you can just kind of like ride anywhere for the most part like obviously you do need to like progress through the story to access certain things but I really love how they did make it feel like you could just go and do whatever you want. Um, in my opinion, this feels the best of the best open worlds as far as what it makes it feel like I can do and and the fun that I have just riding through that forest and, and going and exploring everything that they've done. Because they've, I mean, they have put in pieces of art in that game in the way that they've set up like certain even death scenes where people have been executed but you look in the surrounding area and it's just like set in some of the most beautiful parts of that of, of that area and like some of the scenery that's available so it's really cool uh being able to go through and find all that stuff uh that you wouldn't normally you know be able to get to if you're just fast traveling through everything yeah, it really begs. It's like it's just begging for you to deviate from the main missions and to go explore. Just yeah. For exactly the reasons you're saying, because a you do have that freedom, which I know all of us love in any game. That the the ability to kind of just take a break from what needs to be happening and just go see what else is out there. But then the reward for doing it in this game is so high, just visually. I mean, for no other reason. You there's still all the cool collector stuff and all that stuff, which is its own reward in itself. But I'm telling you, man, just cruising around and, and breaking into new areas and seeing the change in scenery. And, Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. I actually, I enjoy the main story, but I, it's not as interesting to me as the world and everything else around um, the character. Uh, I actually like, I get to gather, you know, the first act you're gathering people to go free uh, Lord Shimura. And it's it, that part's just, it was interesting to gather everyone, but it was the gathering that was more interesting than actually going and freeing them and stuff like that for me. And so, and I, I have a little note here. I have only gotten about halfway through act two. I haven't finished the game yet, but I, then that the reason is because I've probably put 20 plus hours into it so far 
for this uh, podcast, and I'm just enjoying the side stuff, and I'm going to continue doing that. I'm not. I wasn't going to rush through it. It's like with Witcher, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not going to rush through Witcher. Oh heck no! Like I'm only rushing through that little tangent uh, now that I've beat the game because now I want a new game plus it and you know get the, get it opened up a little bit. So yeah, but that's the only reason I'd ever rush it is is because I've you know I've done it exactly how I want, and I think the developers really did a good job with uh, Ghost of Tsushima um, and allowing that. And really, I think that with having those items, like the plants and the stuff that you got to gather for currency, like the flowers and whatever, the wood, uh, the way they make it shine, you know, shimmer or whatever, have that um, gleam over it. Obviously, that's for an eye-catching thing too, but like how often do you go off and grab one of those things just to see another and then you run across a question mark or, like, some type of battle or something, you know? How often does that happen when you just, yeah, let me veer off real fast and grab this. Oh, so even, every time. Even, even with that, you know, like, I, it's just so great. Like, I really do think and believe that this could win for the next three years, game of the year. And, <laughs> excuse me. Um, and then on top of that, being able to navigate that open world with ease, because I tell you, even in The Witcher, I hate getting to the map. I hate mm-hmm. it. And then I hate finding and setting checkpoints and all that shit. And then you find you go the wrong way because you're like, well, it wants me to go clear 800 meters this way. I'm just going to go straight. And then you're at a mountain, you know? Whereas Ghost of Tsushima, that guiding wind, it's beautiful. I've, I rarely ever get to a point where I'm stuck you can usually climb over whatever you need to and then just recall your horse and you're back on the road. I love it. It's honestly for, I feel like the developers made this to make gamers. They're like, let's get more gamers and show them how great it is. And I feel like this is the, uh, the gateway drug. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, that definitely like it, it's anyone that's not even a gamer, I think is going to enjoy this game to a point. Um, because it's so beautiful and just a little note on the, the, like the storm and, and, uh, the nature, like they do a very good job with the physics, with the trees. It feels like they're, when there's strong gusts of wind, it doesn't feel like it's ripping it out. Like in Witcher three, when I played that game, I'm like, it's like the wind yeah. is trying to freaking uh, kill a chicken like it's just ripping its head off trying to you know it's just it was so aggressive so unrealistic in witcher they did a really good job on the wind in this one yeah the yeah, and it's just whipping back and forth and it plays so well into the other thing that we already talked about well the james actually brought up which is how beautiful it is with the nature and the forest and the tranquility that guiding wind adds to that and I wish I had written the quote down but there's actually in one of the things I was reading as I was looking some stuff up about this there's a quote from Lord Sakurai to uh, Jin when his father passes about how his father will always be with him, like he's in the wind or something like that. So there's like an added uh, depth to that as well because it's almost like it's his father's spirit guiding him to these. So, it's so it's like everything is so well thought out in that game. Yeah, I uh, I must have made my notes in my in my notion um, just on my desktop. That's my account because that's definitely one of the things that I wrote in there was he, it is the person, uh, the, the guiding wind is the personification of your father mm-hmm. and, and the yellow bird is the personification of your mother. Oh, that's right. I oh, forgot about that. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. So and how much super. more rich does that make everything? So you already have the beauty and the tranquility of the wind adding to that, yeah. but then you get that spiritual side as well, which yep. is ugh. Because every oh. time I every time I call it, now that I know that, and I see the bird, I'm like, "What's up, mom? Hey, dad, dad where am I going now? You know, I never told my dad that. And, and I never told time, him that. Every time I'm like, "Where are we going, dad?" And he's like, "I'm not your dad. <laughs> your moves are weak." <laughs> oh, dude, if the wind whispered that in your ear and you could just barely make it out, like, oh, you know how the PS4 speaks to your controller shit. sometimes? Yeah, if it was like through the controller. Your moves are weak. <laughs> somebody need, if it ever comes to PC, somebody needs to make that a mod or somebody needs oh to make my it gosh. for the PlayStation. What's, what's that fool's name that does those? Is that Evan, Evan Green? Green? Yeah, oh, Evan he's Green. so funny. Yeah, at, at, no, you know, we don't know him from anything other than Vine, but go onto YouTube because Vine doesn't exist and look up all of Evan Green's Vines. <laughs> you won't regret it because your moves are weak and she's not your mom. Dude, so guys, we've had on like, I got to say, we've hit on a pretty good flow of topics here because everything we're talking about just bleeds into each other. And you know what? Maybe it's not us. Maybe it's just how well the game is designed. But all this stuff we're talking about, one of the things I wanted to bring up was like the influences of this game. We talked about the duels and the open world and how beautiful and everything is. One of the things, and I actually noticed these. uh, So I I was listening or watching or reading the developers talk about the game and they talk about Red Dead Redemption being a huge influence on the game as well as breath of the wild and to me the two places where those are both really obvious is the duels for red dead redemption and also kind of the open world nature of it Uh, but then with breath of the wild it's kind of how you unlock the three areas it's really similar to how in breath of the wild where you go find the tower and it would unlock a certain area and you kind of had to figure out a certain amount of that area before you could go and unlock the next area um, so I really did, even though it's very light, I actually could feel the influence of both of those ga- uh, games in this game. And so it's kind of a nice almost love letter to those games as well, which I thought was really great. And then we talked about Kur- Kurosawa as well and his influence on uh, the cinematography and just how the game is presented visually. Yeah, no, it's well, Breath of the Wild alone because the wind they have a wind system in uh, Breath of the Wild, right? And so um, it feels very much like um they took a portion of that and some mm-hmm. of the beauty because breath of wild is actually even with its cartoony style it still has um some great beauty to it and so i totally get that yeah for sure and then the other the only other thing i'd say as far as influence is just like the the obvious influence which is tsushima island <laughs> um one of the cool things that developers the developers talked about with this game is that being being a um, company that was bought by Sony, they're they're part of that Sony family, and so because of that, they were able to work with the uh, other other development teams in Japan to make sure that they were doing a good job and could get influence and help on on how to do things. And they talk about how big of a help that was uh, to the point of being invited out to go on a tour to visit Tsushima Island uh, with those other Sony studios. So it's just really cool to see that it was more than just a project from the developer of this game, which I believe is Sucker Punch, right? Yes, it's Sucker Punch Mm -hmm. Productions, yep. But on top of that, it's like the whole Sony family was in on it. And, and you know, I, I think Sucker Punch definitely pulled their own weight as far as making this game as awesome as it is. Um, but 
to me, like it's so good and so polished. I almost feel like you can feel that whole presence of, you know, the the Sony effort behind it, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. And it, maybe I'm being sentimental, but well, and the weird thing is like with Sucker Punch, like I when I uh started the game, like a Sucker Punch, that's I've played a bunch of their games. What are they what did they make again? I'm like, has to be something close to this, right? They're the ones that made like Sly Cooper, the mm-hmm. Sly games, you know, the raccoon, uh, and then the infamous games. And I, I've yep. I've actually played all of the infamous games. I played a little bit of Sly and that was just surprising. This is a very, very different game um, than, like, Sly. But Infamous does have a lot of objectives and a lot of missions and stuff like that to it. So I could totally see how they went from Infamous to Ghosts. And so the influences also in their past work is interesting. Um, how they've worked up to where they are now is from a cartoony style to a gritty to just where it is now. A very tranquil game. And they do throw some nods from their Sly Cooper days into this game as well with some of the hidden items that you can find. Oh, yeah? What, like what? Uh, there's a, a color, armor coloration that you can get and a, a sword that has like a raccoon tail on it, like raccoon fur. Oh. And if you deck your dude out and all of that stuff, all of the little uh, pieces that they put in to kind of be a, a subtle nod to Sly Cooper, it'll actually unlock a trophy. Um Oh, that's cool. Calm. Yeah. Calm. So it's just a little Easter egg. That's an Easter egg, man, that we missed out on. We're usually pretty good at Easter eggs. Typhoon's yeah, drop I on the ball. I don't think I looked up any Easter eggs for this one, honestly. <clears throat> I Do you guys either. even platinum, bro? I haven't, I haven't <laughs> even finished it yet. <laughs> well, that's, I, love, I love those inspirations. It's like with Dead Space, going back to Dead Space. This is going to become a Dead Space podcast now. Essentially. Isaac Clark. No, like where the developers they brought that into their other works, the Dead Space world, yeah. and I like that. I, I I enjoy that very much. Yeah, I like that they have those. Uh, just bringing those influences in, paying that tribute. <clears throat> I just uh, I always appreciate that about the games, and I like the uh, <clears throat> goodness gracious! I cannot get the shiz out of my throat. But I like where they get their historical uh, facts from and kind of get their their basing for this game because a lot of it is true uh, to history. And one of those is uh, a very close relation to uh, who the bad guy is, the antagonist in the game, uh, Koden Khan. Uh, It's actually based on a real uh, Khan called Kublai Khan, and he was a grandson of Genghis Khan and is known as one of the second most powerful Mongol emperors ever because he was able to conquer the entirety of China. So it's probably why uh, they have such a bad taste nowadays <laughs> for for Mongols and wanting to keep them out of their uh, museums. You guys heard about that, right? Nope. The Japanese no. trying to keep them out of the museums? Ch- Chinese, because, oh, okay. of, because they were ruled by the Mongols for so long, and there was some museum going to basically pay tribute to the Mongols. Like, you know, it's, it's a museum about Mongols. And uh, they like shut it down, or said you need to remove Mongols from the title, or something like that. That's... So you know they 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 are still bitter this far down the road. So obviously this guy did a pretty damn good job of uh, of ruling China, but uh, you know obviously he wanted to expand more and get more underneath his domain, and so he decided they were going to try and uh, conquer the rest of the rest of what they could and what was nearby. So and that was Japan. Uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, Thailand, Burma, and Cambodia. 
And at the time where the game takes place, they'd already taken over Korea. And so it was an easy jumping pad from Korea to Japan. And Tsushima was the best part to basically make their way in uh, to the end. So that's one of the first places that they hit. And then that's where the game uh, picks up. But really interesting reading about Kublai Khan and actually what he's been doing and how similar that they play throughout the game and what they do. So honestly, just really neat that they they put that much detail and did you know did their research to pay the respects needed for this type of a game. Mm. And one of the things I really liked about the history as well is going back to that storm we talked about that starts out just kind of like you know it's cloudy and some it gets a little darker as you play and the farther you get into the game, there's like the clouds get really dark and roiling and there's thunder and you can just tell there's a big storm brewing. And what that is, is it's paying tribute to the real history of what happened, which is two different times when the Mongols were invading uh, Japan, their fleets were wiped out by tsunamis, which the, the Japanese called it the kamikaze, which is like the, uh, the Godwind or something like that. I have that translation wrong. I'm, positive because i'm kind of remembering <laughs> it on the fly here but that happened two different times and it's the only reason the mongols didn't subjugate japan like when historians look back on that they're like had that not happened japan probably would have been under mongolian control <laughs> and so what that storm is as you're playing through the game is it never it never happens that that's not part of the story in the game but it is a part of the real history and so it's kind of an unseen uh not only do you kick the mongols out with your uh, Jin Sakai, who's the resident badass in, in Japan for this story. But unbeknownst to people who aren't familiar with that, that little chunk of history, um, the Mongols are about to get their ass handed to them again by nature. Damn yeah. nature, you scary. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing. Like, Japan's protected by it. Russia's kind of, you know, protected by it. When Germany was um, going in t- to Russia, you know, they got frozen out. I mean, there's other reasons to that, too. But, uh, it's interesting how some countries do have that weather effect that does protect them at times. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see a nod to it in the game because obviously it takes some, it, it's, it's a fantasy story. It's not true to history. So it what? does take its own liberties, but they did give homage to the real events that did go down. Jin's, yeah. Jin doesn't exist. My character is not a badass in real life. He was just a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Jin. Yeah. I know a couple of Jin's. I got some gin. You want some gin? (laughs) Gin's delicious. I've had that before. You you want to go to the gym? I'm getting confused. I think it's time for an ad. I I think gin needs to get uh, swole, so off to the gym. Speaking of gyms, our our next uh, Gin's Alcoholics. (laughs) Uh, Let's take a break and listen to one of our great sponsors. Uh, They are badasses too, so uh, listen to them. Badasses Incorporated. And we're back. No thanks to Tyson. That was so good hearing from our, our sponsor there, Jin's Gyms, where you can get smashed while getting swole. Swole <laughs> <laughs> smashed. Oh, smashed. That's, that sounds like an always sunny in Philadelphia drink. Gang <laughs> gets swashed. Gang gets swashed. No, they have that one drink. What is it? Like, it's an alcoholic that's protein true. drink. Man milk or muscle milk or something like that. That's, uh, yeah. No, it's the most disgusting sounding thing ever. Uh, <laughs> Protein. Uh, but 
one of the things that I really like ugh, about this game is like, so uh, there's some good animes I grew up watching, like Roni Kenshin, um, where he's not really a Ronin, but, you know, he's a wandering samurai kind of, right? And so you get to uh, actually experience this in this game, the Ronin, essentially wandering samurai, the ones that uh, deviate, maybe they're not a part of the uh, governmental system or a clan, per se, um, they're off on their either in groups or off on their own, and and uh, they're usually paid for. Ronin are, and that's I loved that uh, concept of this game when you meet up with Raizu, some men and stuff like that, and when you're really introduced to um, the Ronin and to the Wandering Samurai, and mm-hmm. I and you get the the badass uh, outfit. I actually usually I wear that half the time. I really like that outfit. Yeah, I'm normally wearing the Ronin outfit. <laughs> I sometimes go to the samurai one, but I like the Ronin. I'm going to be using yeah. the samurai more now, but the Ronin does so much damage. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's a really big increase. It's a funny thing because in almost all of the 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 media that we consume over here in the West, the Ronin are really romanticized as being like noble and badass and out for the people. Ronin in true Japanese history, not so much. They, you know what I mean? Like, uh, they were masterless samurai, which meant that they didn't have to answer to anybody, and they kind of just did whatever the hell they wanted. And oftentimes, it was very not good. But oh yeah, uh, like James is saying, I too grew up with that same media consumption, and man, I really loved the romanticized version, and I loved seeing that in this game. Um, represented and also having that aesthetic because that look is just such a classic look. It is. And I think it might come from some tales of, uh, it's like with a lot of things. There's There were probably some good Ronin that did a lot of good things because they were masterless. They were able to go and do certain things. But the you know majority of them weren't that way. Still, there were some tales. Um, I'm, I It's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Um, I could be completely wrong, though. <laughs> and we are not experts on Japanese history or even novices for that matter. Hey, uh, but these are like little tidbits that I've read along the way, just yeah. picked up through my lifetime. And uh, the w- the way it's represented in media, it doesn't seem to match the way that it, it actually unfolded in history. But but oh, man, got to give it to whoever wrote that trope out, because it's one of my favorite tropes in any type of history, like the Ronin Samurai theme. It's kind of like the Western version of like the rogue or the, uh, the gunslinger. I think it's mm-hmm. well, because a lot of the samurai movies are kind of have that Ronin characters and stuff in it. I, I, mm-hmm. I think there is, it's, it has a dual nature. It can either be bad or it can be good. Um, at least according, you know, we're not historians, but according to, you know, uh, media, true media that I've consumed, um, I, I do feel like there's a little bit more of a dual nature than just them being all bad, but, I love the Ronin in the game, even though uh, because of Reizu, he's a piece of shit and uh, betrays you. I mean, that's a little spoiler, just a little spoiler. Insert spoiler. He he betrays you because he only gives you a hug when you went in for a kiss. He just wants that food. You didn't, you didn't, you you didn't have them both. You didn't cover the check. He was not happy about that. (laughs) <laughs> I agree though, James, this was one of my favorite parts of the story as well. Really well done, really emotional. I felt betrayed like me myself personally. I was like, no, we were bros, man. <laughs> yeah, no. It, yeah. 
Well, that's the thing is you get a like, and I like those missions where you get to ride uh, side by side as these wandering samurai almost, and mm-hmm. and he betrays you. It's at the and this is spoiler. We've all consumed this portion of the story so far, so it's not, for us, it's not not a spoiler. But it's in the end of Act One is when this happens. So um, if you haven't, I know this is a little too late, but if you haven't played Act One, at least play Act One before listening to this if you don't want spoilers. <laughs> hey, I'm going to come at this from uh, Ryuzo's side, okay? Here you are, best buddies with this dude, okay? Growing up, you go to your battle, your little your little showdown or whatever, and this is your only chance to become a samurai, and Jin literally beats the shit out of you and then never talks to you again. <laughs> I will Did you guys say, pick that up? They I, literally yeah. never talked ever again since, since that then. point. But, so Scroogin, he literally screwed Ryuzo but, and then left him like, peace out, bro. Hopefully you're good. They do leave out a bunch of stuff on this one where I'm wondering if more or less after he got defeated, he just took off because that was his, he, he needs the he needed a, a master to serve in order to become a samurai. And since that didn't happen, he just pieced out there he probably felt betrayed Jin probably could have handled it better it was a it was a duel though like doesn't mean he was supposed yeah, to forfeit it, was it. Duel, but that was his only yeah I get that I get it that's but Samurai's that's honor like friend, he can't that, just if that's his friend you're up. gonna step on your friend you're gonna step on your friend's only chance to become something you're gonna if give I up your honor object, boys don't forget that part of the reason that Jin doesn't talk to him is because his father died and he was sent off to live with his uncle uh, that's Jin's fault. He should have protected his father. <laughs> also, side note, and I'm not pick, taking sides here, but side note, they were both in a competition, and whoever was the most badass got the samurai position, and Jin won. So I, I see what you're saying, but Jin also, also had, had the other guy been more of a badass, he might have secured that position. <laughs> uh, how many times did he kick your ass literally in the game before you killed him? Because I, mean, I know was, he killed me, me playing, like five it times. Was zero times. I'll believe it when you buy me pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that guy kicked my ass like five times. Man. Before I Tyson's say. acting suicidal today. He's going to be eating pizza with uh, dairy and wheat. Hello, Domino's. Give me double the gluten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. So just remember that. Okay. He could have wrote him a letter. I don't care. They could have been pen pals. Okay. But he left him there. Literally didn't even think about what his life was going to be like after that and was just like, no, nah, man, we're going to be tight forever. And Rayuzo's over here like, dude, you almost broke my effing arm. I This was like my thing. Like, I invited all these people here, and then you take my one opportunity, and then you never even talk to me again? Yeah, it, but— It would have been nice if you would have bought me dinner before I got effed. But, but in—oh, my gosh. It, but it, Jin did do a lot. Once he met up with Raizo, he did a lot to try to help, like— Defeating uh, tons to of people. To get his uncle back, selfish. But here's the th- here's the interesting thing. Um, as you're going around with Ryza, he's like, "Oh, we're just so hungry. We need food." And then you're just passing cart by cart, like full. You can see the rice bags. You can see like I pick up <laughs> supplies everywhere, and I'm like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. There's food everywhere. I I thought it was funny on the ships. They're like, oh, man, they moved all the food. Oh, they must be out or something like that. And then literally in those baskets is two dried fish, like two big dried fish. It's just like, yeah, take those fish. What do you do? Take the fish. 
This is this yeah, is reminiscent of our job. Witcher Three podcast where they talk about exactly trying to trying to make it so that that stuff wasn't so readily available in the famine areas because a part of the way through the development they realized that they kept finding bread and stuff in the barrels yeah. and they're like, wait a minute. It's Isn't this area supposed to be impoverished? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they had gluten sensitivities. They couldn't eat that. Oh, yeah, that's oh, true. Does this have dairy? I need soy only. <laughs> well, you're going to starve. Damn it. <laughs> but, no. So, anyway, that's just my little tidbit on, on the whole Ronin thing. You know, it's just kind of like Ryuzo. He's stuck with his people that meant the world to him. Very loyal. Ryuzo didn't even write a letter. It's okay. Not even a tweet. Stuck with his people. What if he stuck with his people, the Mongolians, whose team he took took sides with? Because they're his people. His straw hat men, okay? And then he tried to go with Jin, and Jin kept, yeah, I'll get you food. No food. I'll get you food. No food. Kotokan, I got food, dog. Yeah, but and he, and he doesn't so give him the food. With his straw hats. But in the end, he realized it was a bad idea. Oh, uh, yeah, he that was... It. He regretted it. We needed a wrong opinion on this, so I'm glad that you brought that. I'm, well, I'm glad you guys <laughs> brought two of them, because now it's really contrasting to the correct opinion, which is mine. <laughs> you play as the antagonist the entire game. Well, I write, I, I, I'm going to write the history on this one, and you're wrong. <laughs> But one of my one of my favorite things probably or one of my favorite stories in this game or a little bit of the lore was playing out the longbow. Um, the, I, forget, I don't even want to try and pronounce it. The Uchi-san uh, quest. Is that how you say it? <laughs> Either way, uh, you're you're getting your longbow and it's the tail that gets you your longbow. And running through that, you hear about this guy that was a demon slayer, and he went, well, I don't know if he was a demon slayer before this, but he went and fought a demon. And uh, he was this really badass archer, and battles the demon, shoots it right in the heart, boom, kills it, and, and, you know, vanquishes the demon. And then from then on, is chased by this demon, and he sees this demon everywhere he goes. And so everywhere he goes, he's fighting this demon, constantly shooting, pop, 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 nailing him in the heart. But with every kill of the demon comes a human scream. And so I'm playing through this or I'm watching or I'm listening to this tale of this bow and I'm just like blown away. I'm just like, this is so freaking badass. And and what happens is he ends up killing all these people and leaving a trail of bodies to the point where um, the emperor or whoever the local you know official is finds him, realize what's happened and banishes him to the island of Tsushima. And so I'm listening to this with my son, and my son's listening. He's like, yeah, that was pretty cool. He's like, killed some demons and got some, killed some more demons. And I'm like, no, that's not even what happened at all, man. It's the fact that he was killing humans the whole time after killing that first demon. Yeah, it was like the curse that the demon left on him after, after it's like his final, yeah. oh, you killed me, so take this. Yep, and just <laughs> cursed by it ever since. And so finding it, you're obviously tried to, you know, uh, be kept from getting it and then that's who and you end up battling or uh trying to get that bow protector so super cool it really was one of the coolest stories in the game you you have that mysterious archer that keeps showing up and and trying to stop you from pursuing the bow and 
that like never gets resolved. So there's a huge element of mystery, but then you fight, you have to fight the demon bows like original owner. So then you start to think to yourself, well, was it that the guy that was trying to stop me from getting the bow or was this one of his descendants? Cause in some of the other ones, it's like descendants who are guarding whatever the hidden treasure yeah. is. Uh, but with this one, man, there's a huge air of mystery. And then the actual fight, holy crap, was so, so cool. cool. So cool. It was, yeah. Well, right before that, there's a puff of smoke or something that comes out of the bow, I think. And so I'm like, was it poisoned? Were you on like a kind of a mind trip or something like that? I think, too, you, the whole time you're fighting, there's like uh, crows and stuff swirling around. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's what it is. It's crows, not uh, clouds or black, but yeah, crows. Yeah. No, and that's and that's part of like the mysticism and stuff in there, like the uh, the folklore that that was, and that's we'll get into that a little bit, but like that is just it really sprinkles throughout this game. I love it. Mm-hmm. I actually liked both of the bow quests. The one uh, that's kind of built more into the main story, uh, where you're pursuing his errant student, and oh, then yeah. this one as well. But this one by far was the cooler of the two. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's a nice heavy bow. It does some good deeps. Oh. reaches out and touches people. When I love it. Uh, we don't have a note for this, but like the hot springs, like that big hot spring area in that air, like where you do have to pursue that student. Uh, James, James only likes the hot springs because of the samurai, but uh, yeah. it doesn't matter I was what really it is, annoyed that you guys deleted my entire section that I had written out about that ass. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever the so actor, good. the actor that did, that did the motion capture for <laughs> Jin Sakai, shout out to your ass, dude. That's a great ass. Jack, Jack, Jack has like eight haikus written out for that. You know, <laughs> you know how Captain America is America's ass? Uh, Jin Sakai is Japan's ass. <laughs> Jin Sakai—that's uh, the ass of the rising sun. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the cheeks. Is the rising sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, seeing those some of those hot springs, especially the big town hot of hot springs, that just like I want to jump in there, grab us some sake, and just yeah. enjoy life for like and a day. Chill. Oh yeah. Oh, we're gonna have to go on a trip there now. I mean, this is a research trip. We'll write it off. Don't worry, guys. We'll, we'll come back. Podcast over. We'll see you guys next time when we record our podcast from a hot spring. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! As long as I find that Gucci son's bow and I just slay you guys right through the heart, uh, my trip will be complete. <laughs> that 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 would be the peak of our podcast is being able to do the podcast in the hot in the hot springs. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Peak of my life, getting killed by an ancient bow by one of you guys, it'd be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) So just accept it when I do it to you. Oh, my gosh. Avenge me. Avenge me, Jack. (laughs) But no. Awesome. I love it. That bow just leads into all of the other weapons, all the other armor, and the freaking moves. I don't feel like this is Street Fighter where you just get everything and you got to learn the combos. You gotta get that shit unlocked. It's it's very much like I think a lot of games, um, where you do have a progression system where you're learning techniques, but it makes sense. Like he's already kind of badass starting out, but um you still have to like his sword, I don't know if you can replace the sword, can you, Shag? No, because that's the Sakai steel. Yeah, that you only run that sword. Because it's it, it, yeah, it's it's badass. Um that's pretty much what this podcast is called a badass podcast, because that's what Jen is. Welcome. 
to the badass podcast. Uh, but no, like the weapons, the armor. I'm glad that he keeps the swords. I'll be honest. I'm actually kind of like, you, but you just you get to improve them. Like yeah. I, I think they kind of go through like sharpening is how they improve it. And uh, but the armor, the techniques, like the the abilities you learn are very important to progress through the game. Like if you upgrade your, oh, I don't remember what the stance is. What's the original like the uh, the sword stance? Stone. What's that? Stone. Stone is uh, that one's probably one of the most important ones. I didn't use it very much because the the shield one. Um, but that one's very important for the duels. I feel like uh, I was able to do a much better once I was able to dodge and and attack much easier with that with that stance. But upgraded all the way. But that's just that's how this game is, man. It's it does a good job progressing through. You unlock new ones like through legends. You. Um, techniques that is you unlock new uh, techniques and armor uh, through legends and other uh, quests it's it, it, they do a really good job yeah I like it uh, I wish and I haven't gotten much into the customizing of like uh, of how you look or any of the sword kits or anything I haven't gotten a ton of that but right now I'm kind of wishing I had more so I'm, I'm really I don't know what the uh, the inventory awaiting me is i should say i'm really hoping it's a lot like i really want to look super badass yeah there's a lot of pretty cool ones and then they added more with the dlc that you guys got to check out with the uh the raid and the multiplayer they added a couple more in so i'm excited to start unlocking those new ones myself yeah so you got legends to get them for the uh solo campaign we'll have to play we'll have to play some legends once uh you get your copy back shag Oh, I've got it back now. Shanks had it for like almost a week. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I did not know that. So yeah, we'll have to play some of that because I never, I never jumped into there because I was just trying days. to get through the story. Yeah, no, I, I only jumped in a little bit because uh, I had a cousin playing and I did want to see what it was all about. But I want to, I want to get through the the story before I start really playing Legends, which I know will make me behind in Legends because it's kind of like a kind of feels destiny-ish like you do need to improve your gear and get the better gear Mm -hmm. and all that shit um but you know that'll come yeah Mm -hmm. no that'll that'll be interesting one um too bad we can't mention it on the podcast too much because we haven't played enough but that's not a bit this game is so meaty we could come back to it maybe some other day but uh, it's just like horde mode for the most part (laughs) like you just you protect sites and and stave off uh never-ending hordes and they get just more and more difficult i do like that Ooh, i do like horde modes and Mm. it's uh, i i'm not a big like i like them with gun shooters but for some reason with this melee it's a lot of fun uh it it just seems like something that i really do want to play so i'm excited to play more of it well and there's more than just melee you got the arrows like those things like the bow oh yeah Yeah. you can take like I'll, if I'm doing too, like getting overrun too much, I'll just run back really far and then shoot a couple of them down while they're chasing me. Yeah. Um, that, that, the, I haven't unlocked all the weapons or all the armor, but I know armor wise, I have, I think, seven sets right now. Six or seven sets of clothes. I've only got like four. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick up another one. So I'm, I don't know. Shag, did, I don't know. This is like 10 sets of armor. I don't know the total amount, man. Um, I mean, I did get them all. I, I made sure to platinum that game. I had so much fun with it. 
Uh, now I've got to replatinum it because it's got all the DLC. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, I did not keep count of how much. There's a lot of collectibles even outside of the armor in that game. So it's really easy for it to all blur together. Yeah. And it's all well, the game, too, is there's so much to collect. But like to, a completionist run is, I think, around 50 to 60 hours, which isn't even close to Witcher. Um, hundred hours to complete like everything, which is in some ways actually very refreshing. I'm glad they didn't go that route because Witcher took me like a year, year and a half to beat because um I was going more of a completionist route where I completed almost everything in that game, and that took me a lot, like 200 hours with the DLC and everything. I'm glad this game didn't go that route. I feel like this is there's plenty of content in it. I'm able to get in about. Um, probably at the end of the day, I'll get about 40 or 50 hours in. I've probably got 25 hours into it right now. I love, I, I'm just, I love that the pacing's just right. Mm-hmm. 13 total armor sets. 13, wow. Yeah, and that's not including, like, the other additional headbands, hats, mat, yeah. you know, the stuff that don't really go into an armor set. They're just additional pieces. Uh, 13 total armor sets. Dang. Wow. I started um I started uh going around with I I'm not usually customization of my stuff but they have a couple of really cool ones. I usually try to do like the um blacks with blue, like light blues or they have like a white one and I'm not usually white but they have this white ronin outfit that you can get and it's actually pretty badass. Is it the one with streaked with red? Uh, I don't think so cuz you have to go to the specific dye person that only specializes in the whitest of whites and he uh <laughs> designers yeah. make me a ronin outfit with stripes <laughs> what are we project runway <laughs> <laughs> and this is the new ronin outfit is he just going down the runway <laughs> that's me walking down the catwalk that's the sound i make <laughs> you need yeah it. the dyes were a whole nother cool part of that too where they're separate from the armor but you can kind of customize the armor a bit and there was a pure white guy and then there's a guy that did only black dyes as well Ooh. Oh. I'm gonna like that that's guy. So yeah, no, and that's oh, man. We could cover the probably the um because there's a lot of uh missions and stuff like that that go into the technique or the weapons techniques and everything like that. But um one of the one of the things that just it's been literally even throughout all of what we're talking about has been the like kind of like the mysticism or. I, I guess a better uh, word for it is more of the folklore um, where it ha- does have that. It's it's like there's um, they mention demons multiple times. They mention uh, ghosts attacking you in the forest and stuff like that. And you're essentially it all, at times it feels like you're just this um, ghost hunter. That's just there to disprove everything. Cause pretty much you have a reason for most things. Uh, in the end, like, and in the end, ninety percent of the time, it's bandits, being uh, the demon or the uh, oh, man. I can't remember what that type. There's a type of demon, but Oni. The Oni. Or, no, that no that's something like that. I, that one might not be exactly. No, but there, there's a there's a water demon. I can't remember what the name of it is, but uh. Oh, water Oni. No. Um. Riceroni. Rice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know the name, but for some reason I can't. It's not Don't good. forget about Don't. the great mystical beast, the Brony. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just some random Japanese guy out in the field with a horse outfit. Just running through the forest with a unicorn uh, hat on. It's like those dudes that run around in those T-Rex costumes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. Oh, there goes Brownie. No, it's just, you know, there's it's just so many different parts of the game you, you go to and you're like, they always, and this is how it was back then, though. Like, it's only in the past, you know, 100, 200 years where we started to really um, try to go more of explaining it with uh, with facts where the folklore really brought in, there's always a reason you always have um, for like ghosts or there's some unexplained thing. They try to, they, they it, come, it breeds into their, uh, their culture. And I think it's really fascinating. That's one of the things that makes Japan and Japanese culture so fascinating is how they brought everything that was, that they experienced in the mystical realms of their world into their culture and it's very fascinating Mm -hmm. and i've always i'm a sucker for that type of stuff folklore for me or myth mythos is one of my favorite things i've always loved norse um egyptian mythos native american mythos as well i like really any any of those ancient stories that you get from back like you were explaining back when people had to kind of explain the unexplainable uh, I've always had a real love for that, and I think that plays into that mysticism as well. So I, I agree there. Yeah, no, I, I am with you too. Like that, that is one of the things that draws me to. It. I love that type of stuff, especially when it is so close to. Obviously, it's not. You know, this game is not. You know, real life or anything like that. But they do a pretty good job. I feel like um, simulating what it might have been like back then. Yeah. So another thing too that I really dug about this game and this is a personal favorite for me because i'm a little bit of a nerd but uh was the the haikus that you could find throughout the game so when i was young i wrote a lot a lot of poetry to the point where like i had some i had enough credits to graduate before i technically had finished my senior year of high school so i took creative writing again just so i could do that more because i really liked doing it and i used to just anytime i'd be in uh not detention but uh whatever, when you had to make up for missing class because my, my junior year, I was pretty much not at school the entire time. <laughs> so I did a lot of those makeup, makeup hours afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So I'd sit in there, and you, you technically were supposed to be working on assignments, so I'd just sit there and write poetry and say it was cr- for creative writing. I, I wrote so many poems, man. And I really loved in this game, and there's a couple cool things about it. One, again, it goes into the beautiful setting. It, they're always in some of the best locations. You kneel on this little mat overlooking like a waterfall or just really great, um, beautiful places. Um, but also the way that the haikus are designed where you kind of have three different paths for each section of the haiku. I thought that was really cleverly designed. Um, and most of them were actually like pretty, they made, they made sense. There were only a few times where I ran into it and I was like, I don't know if these necessarily play together very well, depending on which options you chose. But for the most part, like really, no matter what you chose, you'd come out with a, a pretty interesting and decent haiku. And I really, like really, really appreciated those. And like, it was one of my favorite things to come across in the world was these, but in researching this, 
Uh, I was trying to basically look up how many different locations there were for haikus, and there's 19 that can be found. But in my research, I found this hilarious YouTube video, and I recommend you, you guys look this one up. It's a, a guy who sits down and goes into the haiku cut scene, but there's two Mongolians fighting a bear at the bottom of the river. <laughs> and the, the bear, like, throws one of them into the river, and that guy just drowns. And then, and then uh, I think the bear and the Mongolian, the other Mongolian, both kill each other before it's over. And the best part is the haiku that this guy's writing, like, happens to play into the scene that is laid out before him, which is a total glitch, by the way. But somehow, like, the, the lyrics for that, or not the lyrics, but, like, the, the words for that haiku actually kind of played into uh, yeah. what was happening with the bear and the Mongolians. I was laughing, man. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> that is, I, I immediately started laughing because I got that visual brain. So yep. you're just like, he sits down to do a haiku, and then he can see these guys just fighting a bear. Yeah. And I'm just like, here's this tranquil scene with just this violence in the background yeah. and you're trying to make this wonderful poem. And the best oh. part is it does that whole cut scene where he like kneels and he takes his sword out and lays <laughs> yeah. it before him. Like the whole ritual. And then you just hear and see. Just, <laughs> oh. Hey, I find that one, of, one of the haiku lines was something along the lines of like, I gasp for breath or something. And it's like right as he throws the guy into the water, the dude never comes up. Oh, it was so funny. <laughs> now, that sounds hilarious. I'm going to look that up right after this. Because of my love for haikus, I actually wanted to share a haiku with you guys from one of my favorite movies, The Hunt for the Wilder People, which is another oh, great place yeah. where haikus are showcased. Now, and now this... let's, let's get reverent because we need to pay some respect for how beautiful this is. Mm -hmm. If I remember right, this one was actually written by Hector. And here's the haiku. Me and this fat kid, we ran, we ate, and read books, and it was the best. <laughs> if you have not seen Hunt for the Wilder People, highly recommended. Directed and I believe written as well by Taika Waikiki. And that guy is just a legend. He's the one that did Thor Ragnarok um, and plays, I can't remember the dude's name, but it's the big rock dude in Thor Ragnarok. Get out of here. Go, piss off, ghost. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah, that guy. He even plays the Reverend in that show. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, such a great show. Watch it. If you guys have not seen it, you guys will literally love it. I've I've not met anyone who does not like that show. And it'll give you a new appreciation for poetry and haikus. And Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is uh, that was a good movie. I just watched it recently for the first time, and uh, it was good. So good. Uh, Love it. But yeah, no, the haikus in this, honestly, I liked them. And I really did try to do uh, good haikus every time I sat down because I didn't want to just spam through it and just, yeah, get me get me that point. But really cool to try and, like, actually make something work and, and fit what you're trying to relate it to. And such a beautiful contrast. Again, like, there's so much of that in this game where it's like you have the war and, and the concern for the people and, and just all the drama that's going on. And then you have these little moments of time where you just get to stop and reflect, like, about what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Hot springs and the, and the haikus and just need to be able to do that. Well, it, Again, it, sh it shows three that Three years balance. in a row, game of the year. It shows that balance of um, I feel like that samurai kind of is supposed to have where they practice a lot. They they do a lot of different things, but they also have that other flip side where they, they they're supposed to meditate almost 
Um, and it is like the like you said, like the haikus are really interesting, like um, very thought provoking, actually. Um, the ones I've gotten, I'm like, these are I took a picture of one, actually, because I'm like, I want to remember it. So, yeah, I hope yeah. they give, gave a raise to whoever's idea it was to bring that into the game, because that I've never seen anything like that in another video game. And I like I really appreciated it. It was it was a big risk to take. And in my eyes, it paid off incredibly. So. Um, I'm a big fan of that in respect to whoever's idea that was. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause obviously there's the other stuff that you go and multi-visit. Um, there's the Fox shrines and obviously there's always the bird bringing you around and then there's the bamboo strikes, but who thought, yeah, let's make them write a haiku, give them three, three choices, three times to make something up, you know? Mm-hmm. And then someone had to sit there and write all those and they're, they're yeah. they really are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super cool. And I like uh, Jay, what James said earlier about it kind of really brings it in and makes you pays tribute to that culture almost uh, for for worse words than what James said. Um, <laughs> but and, and brings it into one of the things that I've kind of really appreciated from this game, because honestly, this game and I'm going to say it and this is going to sound really weird. But this game has made me a better person. And I'm going to kind of get into that. But one of the things I like is watching Jin's struggle uh, between the way of the samurai and the way of honor and duty. And then the way that he has to veer from that path and go the way of the ghost. And how that is such a hard decision for him to break and get away from. Uh, doing things, you know, in the light and now having to do things in the dark and and how he struggles with that and the relationship um, pressure that comes from just everyone he knows, like Yuna and his uncle and other people that he holds with that respect. So really neat to see that and to see the big thing about the samurai and the Japanese people is a total control of your emotions. If you can't control your emotions, you can't control shit. And that is something that I've been watching and trying to apply into my life. Cause there's always times where I feel like we blow up and we're not as, and I, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go as hard and crazy as uh, you know, old feudal Japan ways, but it is nice to be able to make, have that control and make that something always in the front of your mind and try and really bring into your own life. I have control of how I react to everything let's start controlling the things that I don't like. So already it's, it's helping me in my life. So crazy how a game can, can make that uh, travel. I don't know that, that, that translation or transition into your real life. It can have that effect on you and any medium can any good media, like most mediums, whether it be book, audio, uh, game, if it has, uh, this is a very good example of the gaming genre being able to have an effect on people. And you hit it right on the head. I think Tyson, I think you, you know, it's, it really does. I don't know for me as much like so profound, but it definitely has that peaceful feeling. It has a big effect on me. Um, and you know, you do think about how the discipline of what the, the samurai had to go through to, um, that's how they became great warriors. They had to have that discipline because if you don't have discipline in your life, you're not going to get very far. And I do feel like 
Um, this is actually a good game for some people in today's generations where we just we're lacking, I think, more of that discipline. And so it reminds us that discipline is going to get us further in our goals that we want in life. And how well they portray that as well. Because uh, who went into the game immediately and kind of did a button mash in their first few fights and oh. literally got destroyed uh, because you're just trying to button mash. But you can literally counter attacks with well-placed attacks in that game. So it's like, control your shit, man. Don't just get scared and start swinging. Like, well-place those hits. And so, awesome. Just incredibly neat how it, it even puts that in there if you want to not struggle the entire way through that game. Uh, well, you will adopt the way of the samurai. One of the things I liked about it, too, like you're talking about, there's Jin's struggle, but there's also Lord Shimura's struggle. And, the, again, the contrast between Jin and, and Lord Shimura. But one of the things I particularly liked about it is it's it's kind of this... Um, Lord Shimura trying to hold on to the traditional ways and yet still trying to be that father figure for Jin and still loving him the whole way and doing everything he can. You know, there's one point where uh, he basically tries to pin everything on what's I can't remember her name now. I forgot. Yuna. Yuna. Yeah. He's like, let's just pin everything on Yuna and then you can come back into the fold and, and the emperor won't hold it against you. All these things that you've done that are completely against not only the samurai code, but the law and Jen, you have a choice right there, but you know, depending on how you play the game with me, I was like, look, I have chosen to become the ghost and that's the life I'm going to lead. And it's, it's I'm going to do it for my people. And I know the price that I'm going to pay at the end, but that's the choice I'm going to make. And then you get that reiterated again at the end of the game when you're also allowed another choice where whether you can either kill Lord Shimura or not after dueling with him because he's honor-bound by the samurai code to duel with you to the death. Real cool, he just ruined it! Dude, uh, I, again, I will never apologize for spoilers because this, <laughs> this is called Games Revealed. <laughs> you just um, spoiled it for me. But... Well, there's, it's just the duel at the end, but the emperor actually com commands him to do it. And so, like, Lord Shimura actually has to because he is beholden to the emperor. That's how that hierarchy works. Yeah. And it's just an interesting choice that you have to make. And I made sure to go back and watch both after I made my choice. And, man, they're both great. But um, it brings exactly this topic into um, – it brings it to a head of not only Jin's struggle, but Lord Lord Shimura's struggle as well. And yet their desire and uh, to maintain that family connection and that love that they have for each other. Like, dude, honestly, like despite some of the difficulties put on them by the culture at the time, uh, Lord Shimura, father of the year, man. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, he's he's gone above and beyond. Mm hmm. And that's one of the things you get is you get flashbacks as you're going through, too. That's what helps. Sometimes it's kind of annoying, but it helps you uh, get more emotionally involved, too, where it's like uh, Lord Shamira um, is essentially, te you know, teaching his, his life lessons. Like, do not attack behind. Don't do be a bandit kind of thing. And uh, it's interesting how those lessons are brought through it. And it definitely shows Jin's struggle. Yeah, uh, there's one I'll just touch on this lightly because you guys haven't gotten to it yet, but there is talking about those connections and those stories. There's one that you guys haven't experienced yet 
Um, that's one of the best stories in the game, in my opinion, when um, Jin has to go back to his family home. And there's just such a cool tale that you can choose to follow. Because um, you know how those little side missions are always called tales. There's yeah. a tale you can choose to follow when you get to that point, And, oh, oh, man, it was such a good one. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. You did that thing. <laughs> well, and the, the spoilers, too, uh, Shag, is that, uh, you know, I was actually kind of expecting that. With the way that they were going, I'm like, yeah, there's going to be a choice. Um, and you're probably going to have to kill the uncle, potentially. So uh, those weren't too big. So, like, the, the story is kind of predictable in some ways, but, like, everything else isn't. And I like that. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely not, you know, it's not a mystery. Um, yeah. but it's so well told that you don't even And that's fine. You don't even care. Some games <laughs> some stories don't need to be like that. And that's what I like about the story. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be uh I don't mean, I don't know yet. I haven't beaten it. There doesn't have to be a huge twist ending. So, with that, our final little 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 area here is um and I'm not going to mention them too much. But there is some controversy, and it's in China. And I there's a there's a couple of news agencies that are covering in China like this game being bad, and it's against um, uh, China potentially and the Mong because there's there's um, some Mongolians that live in China. Obviously, and Mongolia is near China, and uh, for some reason they find that this is a very um, controversial way to show the Mongols attacking Japan. Like, how dare they, you know, like, make them look like the bad guys in this, in attacking Japan, you know. It's it's, it's a really, really weird controversy. I'm not going to go, I don't want to go too deep into it because it really is kind of more shallow, but uh, they just, they there's a bunch of people over there that stand with the Mongols invading Japan saying it was the right thing. And this is coming from a country that was, taken over by the Mongols at one point. And I, you know, there's obviously there's some assimilation when you take over a country. So there's still uh, probably Mongol uh, descendants there and stuff like that. That's probably where this is more coming from, but it's just weird that there was this big controversy in China about it. And I'm sure censoring and I'm sure the game's not allowed there potentially. Uh, I know I'm assuming things, but they tend to like to ban a lot of things. And so, uh, (laughs) China is just weird with everything. Like yeah. it's almost like uh, what we're seeing with the, the rewriting of history. Almost is what we kind of see happening yeah. in certain places. And it's almost it's like, but that was just history, man. Like I'm not saying the Mongols were right or or wrong, but like they're just like, no, it's the it's the Japanese uh, killing Chinese. The Mongols were Chinese people, and so that they're gonna be, you know, like it's like no, they were Mongols. They well, no, they, they so a correction people. here, a correction here, actually the, the, the ground forces were Chinese and Korean because they sailed over from Korea and those, those countries were subjugated by the Mongols. The actual Mongols that were there in Tsushima were the horsemen. They sent the Chinese and the Koreans to fight the samurai while they unloaded the horses and the Mongols. And those guys came in later. So the, there really is um, an interesting kind of dynamic there. Yeah. yeah, but that's not, but what they want is all of Mongols to be called Chinese. So it's not who did the initial invasion or who did battling. It's that they want them all called Chinese people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's, so it's like, why rewrite history? They were Mongols. Let's, yeah. let's even say they were Chinese people who 
decided to overtake China and call themselves Mongols. They they ruled, so they get to call themselves Mongols. I, it's the winner. The winner writes history. They won at that point. Let them have it. It, it is a little bit of a controversy, of course, but um, it really does come down to, I mean, it was the Mongol force, even though it, the Mongol force it was made up of other um countries it's just mm-hmm. that's that is what it is though like it was the Mongols well that's what attacking. mongolia was at that at that <laughs> era in history uh basically what the mongols did was when you got brought into their culture you were a part you were then mongolian like yep. it wasn't there was a little bit of like if you're not a true mongol then you're not quite the same of us but it's as far as like ancient cultures go it was one of the most accepting as far as like once you were subjugated you were Mongolian and you had all the same rights and privileges that any of the others did. Yeah. Um, and think, so that's kind of part of it as well. Like, like you say, it was the Mongolian mm-hmm. forces. Um, but also like once those countries had been dominated by the Mongols, they were Mongolian. So even if they were Chinese and Korean, they were also Mongolian. Yeah. And so the, and that's exactly right. Like it's just, the controversy just doesn't make that much sense to me, but there's always controversy, right? And it makes sense that it is between China uh, and Japan because they really have had a lot of um, issues between each other over the years. So I'm not overly surprised. I'm sure if a Chinese thing came out, it would, uh, you know, a Chinese game that is, um, the Japanese might write something about it because they just don't like each other. Um, they've become more tolerant over time, but yeah. No, um, and all this, like, this just whole game makes me want to go to Japan again. I've been to Japan once. It just makes me want to go back again because I was playing through it. I'm like, yeah, this, is, this isn't, like, 100% correct um, visually because it's a game, but it's so close to, like, what a lot of Japan looks like. And the, like, their folklore, and, their, and there's still parts of that that are still there that they preserve. They've done a good job of preserving. And so... Uh, I say that we go on a cruise next year to Japan if uh, once w- our listeners uh, pay our way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never really uh, wanted to go to Japan. Like, if someone was like, hey, you want to go to Japan? I'd be like, yeah, all right. But it's never been a real interest for me uh, other than, like, the curiosity of going there. Like, I have places I want to go, like Scotland and, and, and other places that are really high on my list. But this makes Japan like uh, up in that top tier now. Like I just I want to go there. The the lore, the folklore, the history behind everything. It's I've never really dove much into their history, but uh, this makes me much more interested. Into that. Well, I'm gonna culture. start. I'm gonna start cooking a lot more whoppers so I can afford that uh, cruise. Talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. We just every listener that's listening, please listen to this about a thousand times, and that will help us. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, we'll send you nudes from the Japan cruise. <laughs> Tyson will o- open an OnlyFans just for you guys. <laughs> it'll run the it'll run the entire length of the cruise. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So for sure, like, um, this has made me want to go back to Japan even more, and so um, one day, one day, we'll be doing this podcast from Japan for a few weeks. So ah, plan on that. Okay. It's when uh, she gets my Final Fantasy uh, uh, biggest fan website done and we get flown over there courtesy that of was... Capcom. So it'll happen. Capcom. Uh, yeah, so 
this has been an awesome podcast. We've run out of time. Um, and any last thoughts, guys? Awesome uh, game. Play it. Buy it. Love it. Play it more. Love it more. Yep, awesome. one of the one of the greatest of all time. That's and that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I'm just I'm glad that they can still make games that just do replace games that are on my top ten list. You know, like that essentially like. Um, I know that there's going to be new games in the future that are going to be going into my top 10. So, and the fact that it didn't feel like a giant money grab with, you know, pay to win content and all this other stuff, like free legends, free content, an an amazing game. I really, I think they did it purely to make something great. Yeah. And I think they did it. I think they nailed it. I feel like uh, Sucker Punch has always been that way, to be honest. I feel like they have the passion in there. that They're there to make games. They're not there to make money. Um, but because they're so passionate, it brings the money in. Um, yeah. And I'm okay if they if they have, like, a, like the Legends doesn't sound like it would be, like, a DLC you should pay for. But if they do make, let's say, like, a Witcher style where it's an extra 20 minutes or 20 hours of story, like, I'm fine paying for that kind of DLC. I understand it takes so much time to make that. Yeah. Uh, they definitely awesome didn't, didn't do loot boxes or any weird stuff. It's a very classic game, and maybe that's one of the things that we like about it is that it is very. It, it comes back before loot drops and all that um, crap, and so it well, it's more traditional, but still new age. If there's one thing I know, I know classy. I'm currently drinking wine out of a Coke can, so. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure there's a little Coke in there. Get some. Uh, Coke wine. It might be a drip or something. <laughs> uh, it's anyway, an oaky Coke. We, we done. We were ready to wrap this up. We ready to ship this. We ready to send it. Still oh going to send it. Send it. We're going to send it. Okay, guys, this has been the Games Revealed podcast, and this is James. I'm Tyson. And I'm Shagwa. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace out. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is James here, just here to promote some awesome merch. You can check out one of our best items, which is the bunny bitten hat at shop.bunnystrike.com. Or you can uh, find a link on our website at gamesrevealed.com. You can also check out quizzes, articles, and additional podcasts there. And you can also add to the discussion. So if you have something to add about, the, let's say, the podcast, whether you liked it, didn't like it, or what your thoughts on the game are, please go there and just make a comment. We love, definitely love positive feedback. But if you have some constructive feedback, please leave it. Uh, You can find links also in the description of the podcast. So what are you waiting for? Get going to one of the best up-and-coming websites that has new features every week. Okay, catch you guys later.